Welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Northview, and I'm sitting with Crystal and Nancy. Hello. Good morning. So Nancy, you haven't been with us for a while. This is I kind know, of exciting. She's been too busy doing big events and conferences and all kinds of stuff. I know. And now it's summer. So important. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so Nan- good. Nancy is one of our large group leaders for the women's ministry. And she's also involved with her husband, Andy, in Apologetics Canada. So maybe talk a little bit about what you do here in in case people haven't heard you for a while. Yeah, um, so I do a lot of admin for Apologetics Canada. So we just went through the conference. So we did a lot of planning and logistics and organizing and volunteers. And and, um, so I write a lot of our letters and just and plan Andy's schedule. So just a bit of everything, anything admin kind of worthy. That's kind of what I, what's my, what my hat is. What's it like working with your husband? Oh, it's pretty, for the most part, it's really good. It's good when you need to go to school and uh, go to on a field trip and your husband is the, the dad of the child that you need to go support. (laughs) Permission for your days off. Permission a little easier than maybe otherwise. It's good. It's taken, I mean, we've been married for, like 15 years when we first got married never it wouldn't have worked oh no it wouldn't have worked so it's taken some years (laughs) some work on the relationship some mutual respect for one another and our personal giftings so it's really good i think that's the big thing right is learning that you have maybe gifts that aren't the same but that's a good thing but then not stepping on each other's toes when you kind of think about things differently or Go at mm-hmm. a project differently. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have and boundaries, just, like for when you get home, that you don't talk shop all evening long? Or how do you do that? We're really bad at boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> um, we try not to, uh, but it just happens because, and mostly because he's even at work here, he wears so many different hats totally. here. Yeah. So if I do want to get his time, I literally, I, my best time to get his time is at is at home. So, yeah. but we try not to dwell. We try and deal with what we need to talk about, you know, quickly and then, and then move on to and then our go kids hiking. and life and, and other things. So yeah, hiking. That's yeah. one of our favorites. you yeah. have uh, an American Ninja Warrior yes. party coming uh, up. Yes. Tell us a little William bit about William is turning eight and themes for birthday parties is always a fun time in the Steiger house. And so <laughs> he wanted to do Pokemon and Teen Titans and all sorts of things. And so Andy was like, let's do an ultimate ninja warrior party. And so Andy's busy setting up an obstacle course. That's what he'll be doing on Saturday morning (laughs) for the kids to run through. And yeah, we're actually really excited. It's going to be sunny on Saturday. Mm -hmm. In your backyard? Yeah. I even told, I even told the parents, I'm like, if it's raining, we're doing it anyways. They can stand underneath the deck and then run the course, but it's going to be good time. So yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be challenging. It'll be It'll be good. My boys love to horse around, so it'll, it's perfect. So Burn off the energy before they come inside the house. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we'll see if we can keep them outside of the house the whole yeah. afternoon. <laughs> it's best that way. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Crystal, you have a very exciting week next week. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, uh, my son is getting married next Saturday, wow. June 3rd. So we are looking forward exciting. to that. We're checking the weather forecast like every 10 minutes because it's an outdoor wedding. And right now it shows like clouds and oh. that actual day and sun okay. all around it. So we're just praying that those clouds just get pushed away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, but so it's exciting. Nice and warm because right now when it's cloudy, it's been chilly. But yeah. 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 So your backup plan is what? Uh, the Mission Campus. Okay. So that's great. Like that'll be nice too. It's just... Uh, yeah, everyone has kind of this picture in their mind of what they're wanting. And my parents have worked really hard on their yard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Is this your first wedding in your of your kids? Yeah, first Very kid exciting. and first, like he's the oldest grandchild. Well, not on my, not on Bob's side, but on our side. So okay. yeah, he's always had lots of doting uncles and aunts. So oh. now they all get to come to his wedding. Oh, that's, <laughs> so that's exciting. Yeah. It'll be really exciting. Yeah, it'll be fun. Okay. And you're and going through grad. Oh yeah, that's true. Carter's graduating from grade 12 in a couple weeks. This is my last one in school. So next year, it feels really weird. No high school anymore. No high school youth group anymore. I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're both going to be out of the house for a period say, yeah. of the year. Be like somewhat empty nesters. Yeah. Carter's going but... to Cape and Ray in Germany oh, from September, mid-September to end of March. So that'll be very exciting for him. He's looking forward to it a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where Mark had gone when he was that age. And Ava is going back to Trinity dorm life, so she'll depends. be home here and there. She'll be home but, here and there, but, but not. Yeah, the majority of the week yeah. it'll be you and Mark. I know, so I'm gonna have to be reevaluating how much food do I, I make. Was, exactly. I was say, what about dinner? Maybe <laughs> let's not eat dinner. Oh, would that be great? Bowl of cereal. <laughs> so we have a fun topic today. We are going to go over our Ask Anything event. So that was May, early May. We did for the Northview Young Adults, Crystal and I and Carrie and Beth and who else That's was it. there? Well, was and it? then the two MCs, Tiffany and Sarah, yeah. MC'd it. Yeah. We were on a panel discussion for the Northview Young Adults, and it was the theme of Ask Anything. We've done this before, so I'm calling this Ask Anything Too. And so we thought for the benefit of the people that weren't there, we would answer the questions that had been given to us in advance on this panel. So we have a wide range of different kinds of questions that we thought we would answer. And Nancy is here, but Nancy wasn't on the panel. So this is a lot of fun for Crystal yeah, and I. Yeah, we tried to get her what they said. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it's kind of like, let's ask Nancy first, oh. put her on the hot seat, see what she can do, and then we'll fill in what we had answered, Crystal and I. So that is kind of interesting for people who maybe weren't, were there already and they don't want to hear us repeat ourselves. Hear what Nancy has to say. I know, yeah. Nancy. Ask Nancy anything. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, Nancy. It was just the girls, by the way. You didn't say oh, that, yes. I think. It was a girls ask anything event. Sorry, so there yes. was no guys in attendance. So No, the guys were might... at the men's conference. Yeah. Upstairs. And so this was just the women downstairs, which was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Big that's group good. of women. How many yeah. do you think were there? Mm, 60, 70. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So there's a first few questions that all kind of have the same theme. So I'll read the questions and then Nancy wants first dibs at this one. So these three questions. Is it acceptable for women to wear men's clothes for comfort reasons? Second one, should women work in caring based professions, i.e. a teacher or nurse, rather than traditionally masculine ones, i.e. trades and law enforcement? Should women serve in the military, role of soldier in combat? The one that kind of stuck out to me the most is the women wearing men's clothing. I was a total tomboy growing up. And even into my young adult years, I preferred clothing that was comfortable over clothing that was stylish or pretty, pretty or even flattering to me. And that, and because I didn't, I just, 
like it didn't define me. So I just was who I was, who I was, and that's who I was comfortable with. And, but as I think about it, and I don't think there's, sure, where whatever you feel good about, that's not, not a big deal. But as I think about, you know, like clothing does make an impression. It doesn't Mm -hmm. define who you are. You are who you are, but it doesn't, but it does leave impressions. So I think about, you know, what I wore. Sometimes I look back and look at pictures or my cousin posted a throwback Thursday photo (laughs) on Facebook. Oh my word. And I was like, you know, there's, there's no shame there, but I'm a little embarrassed that that's kind of what I look like. But at the same time, you know, I think people wear so much different types of clothing to express who they are and their personality. And I think that, you know, if it's like, if, if, if it's not inappropriate as in like revealing or whatever and usually if women wear men's clothing that's not the situation (laughs) it's actually the opposite but I just think about um how my relate like my relationship with Eddie even when we were dating right I wanted to wear something that would flatter my my shape or my look right so then you just have to think of okay so what what kind of impression are you trying to make right when you wear your your boys clothing whatever so it's really not a big deal. You just got to choose. You got to figure out what kind of impression you want to make on others. Well, and culturally, it's different than biblically. So mm-hmm. culturally, women can walk into the men's clothing department or any men's clothing store, and you can pick pretty much anything. It's not the same for guys going into the oh, girls' side. Yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's much more still a cultural taboo for picking out women's clothing for mm-hmm. men. So culturally, it's different. You had a biblical thought on this, Crystal. Well, I think the underlying theme kind of between behind all these questions seem to be, um, is there kind of one mold that a Christian woman should look like, like in terms of what their career should be, whether or not they should serve in the military, what they should dress and what they should wear. And I think um, if you look at the biblical women, there's just such a big range that I don't want to say this is the one Christian mold that we're all supposed to look like. I don't think that's taught in the Bible. I think actually culture is a little bit more strict on that. Like they say, if you don't feel these exact things, then maybe you're not actually a woman, maybe you're a man. If you don't like doing your nails and if you don't like talking about boys and stuff, then well, maybe maybe you should question your gender. Like that's the way the culture points. But the biblical passages, you have people like the Proverbs 31 woman who was like basically a business entrepreneur who managed her whole household. And you have other people who are kind of more meek and mild. And you have this whole range. You have Deborah, who was a judge of Israel. And then you have like Elizabeth, who kind of brought up John and was the the great wife to Zechariah, Mm -hmm. you know, in the New Testament. So I think the range of biblical womanhood is huge. So I think let's not let's not force people into boxes and say, this is how you need to be, how you need to dress, what you need to do. I think it's more about your character. Are you honoring God in whatever role you are in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you seeking to be who he asks you to be in scripture in terms of who, you, yeah, your character and your, your um, personality? Yeah. When I thought about this, I also thought of sort of my past with my kids in terms of Ava took dance a lot and always in her ballet classes, there was usually one or two guys that took ballet. And now Carter has some friends that want to pursue nursing as guys. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's unfair the amount of flack they get for pursuing what they love and their strengths. And I think it would be helpful for us as Christians that we're careful in how we think about people and how we speak about people when they want to do a profession that's maybe more generally the opposite gender to what they are Mm -hmm. or an activity. Yeah, Like we shouldn't get uh, flack for guys that want to be in drama and choir and yeah. automatically say, well, they've got to be gay because they're in those things. It's not not true. Like, yeah. And for girls that want to be 
you know, in the combat or military or things like that, it's like, well, you're not automatically like wanting to be a man. Like yeah. you still can be yeah. a female. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we tend to stereotype way too quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So you can see how some of this gender confusion comes up, right? Because we just say this is the track and this is what it looks like yes. to be a woman. This is what it looks like to be a man. Yeah. Yeah. It can just be super confusing. And you can just express yourself and your character in the profession that you choose, right? Yeah. That you bring your own your own personality traits into that. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit around that about modesty? Let's talk a little bit about, because you mentioned about mm-hmm. uh, choosing clothes that maybe aren't so revealing. Yeah. Like, let's talk about that just briefly. Yeah, I think that when you when you dress and that it's not, I mean, we need to weigh things more than whether or not we are men's or women's clothing or whatever, but whether or not our, our dress is appropriate for the people that we'll be with and the setting and, you know, whether or not you should be wearing your tights to, you know, out to church or you know where or if you're going to be on stage or do you know what I mean it's like Uh whether or not those things are are appropriate and how much cleavage you're showing right and sometimes that makes difference in regards to even for some women that's more of an issue and it's annoying because it's an issue but it's still an issue and so you need to dress to your your body type right yeah 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 and even like um my husband's tall so in the summer, women don't realize that sometimes tall people can see down their shirts. Oh. <laughs> and so, you know, it's something that we have to kind of, before we leave the house, probably helpful to other people around us if we would check kind of all around us. Like if you're going to be sitting at a desk and somebody's going to be standing over you like a receptionist, that's different than if you are walking on your job all day and need different kinds of shoes or things like that. That is so true. When I, for the conference, I think about the fact that I'm going to have to lean over a lot and whatever shirt I wear, I make sure that it's like a round neck up to my, co- up to a uh, neck, all the way up to my collar. So that, and that it won't pop out so of that, your jeans at the back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yes. So that I, I stay all covered and tucked in. <laughs> Sometimes people get really annoyed at this conversation, especially yeah. young women. They'll say, well, it's their problem. If they have a problem with lust or if they have a problem with this, then that's their problem. I shouldn't have to worry about it. But I think the scriptural mandate that we're given is to not put stumbling blocks in front of other people, right? Mm-hmm. And so if this is going to cause somebody to sin, is this going to cause somebody to like if they have thoughts that are you know not towards their wife or <laughs> towards you instead, if it's going to be a flirtatious thing, then you're really putting a stumbling block in their way. Mm-hmm. And so how can we as Christian brothers and sisters walk along side each other in a way that doesn't cause somebody to stumble yeah. in their marriage or just even in their singleness, right? Yeah. And it's true. We each have to control our own thoughts and we have control where our eyes look and we have yeah. to control what we fantasize on, yeah. but we just want to help each other exactly. as much as possible. Yeah. We're not responsible for that person, no. but we can also hinder them or help them mm-hmm. along their journey. So mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Next question. I'll read it out and then we can respond. Should Mike Pence's stance on not eating alone with any other woman other than his wife or a family member be supported from both a faith and workplace perspective? So this was, um, yeah, something that came out in the news and it was Mm -hmm. a big kind of outcry because he said, yeah, that in order to protect his marriage, he wasn't going to have relationships, you know, one-on-one relationships with other women. And uh, because of his public figure. Yeah image people got all mad and say well are you saying all women are like dangerous and what are you saying about us and yeah he got a lot of flack about it yeah so it's interesting because he put he's put because of the the public figure that he is he's put a, a large boundary mm-hmm. right a very safe boundary right because of the type of position that he's in yeah which to me makes sense 
you know, why why he would go above and beyond what someone perhaps of someone else might perhaps feel is necessary for themselves. Yeah. So it's like he doesn't want to be tempted into anything that could be harmful. And he also doesn't want to give off any harmful ideas in people's minds. Yeah. Right. He's really making that boundary clear so that he doesn't even have that. Um, so he's living kind of above reproach would yes. be kind mm-hmm. of the biblical term for that. Yeah. I think Billy Graham was one of the first people that really made that public. And I know I read a little bit about his autobiography where kind of the four guys that he really ministered with kind of went away for a weekend and said, what are the four or what are the main things we can put into our ministry to protect it long term? And this was one of the rules they came up with. And so he's had flack over that about over the years as well. So yeah, Billy Graham wouldn't enter a hotel room first. He would make sure that there was nobody waiting in there for him. He wouldn't drive alone or travel alone with a woman. Uh, you wouldn't eat alone with a woman other than a family member or his wife. So, and he's, we've seen long-term faithfulness in his ministry. Yeah. So there is the some wisdom in what Mike Pence is doing. It's a little hard logistically. And so what kinds of things, if if we're thinking about protecting our marriages or our reputation, what kinds of things should we be doing? Can, can I just say yeah. something first too? I think you have to realize his situation is different than most people's situation. He is probably away from his wife yes. a, lot, a lot more than the average husband would be. True. So... To, so you create boundaries because there's that separation yeah. there. So then there's the temptation to maybe there's the loneliness or whatever mm-hmm. that might come in that he needs to protect against so that the added temptation isn't there. I know that we deal yeah. with the same thing with our speakers, protecting them and not putting them in compromising. To the yeah. Yes, come, come, yeah, exactly. Come in, not putting them in compromising, potentially compromising situations to protect them as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it's that, it's that traveling, that being away that adds that bit to it true but again you are saying what do we as you know people maybe who don't travel as much but what kind of protections and boundaries do we put around our marriages well and even upstairs in the open office if you've never been upstairs we have our offices all have glass walls and glass doors so we can see what's happening inside for accountability mm-hmm. because i do meet alone with vic or with paul for the care department but everybody can see what's going on. And same with where we're sitting at our desks. It's all, we can see if we're on Facebook too much or (laughs) doing something you shouldn't be doing because it's all open for accountable reasons. Mm -hmm. And I don't travel alone with Vic or Paul or any other man that's not Mark or my son because for that very reason, I don't want people to question, that's not her husband, what is she doing? You know, and then put that unsettling feeling, that anxiousness in people's minds. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that we... um, don't still have to work alongside men, yeah. even sometimes in a one-on-one situation, like yeah. you're saying with with um, Vic or with Paul. But I think we've kind of talked along the way of different barriers that we put in place um, just to protect ourselves, even how we interact with them, like on social media yes. or on texting or by emails. Like I have a rule that I'm not going to talk about anything emotional or anything really flattering or anything in an email or a text to yeah. one of the other pastors. No, You know, I'm going to maybe if I say Greg did a great sermon, I'm going to say to him the next time I see him in the open office in front of everybody, that was a great sermon. I'm not going to look like I'm trying to get kind of sneaky around Sarah and around Bob and yeah. give a secret message to Greg kind yes. of thing. Right. So I think there's different parameters that we just have set in our mind. Yeah. This is how we want to operate yeah. so that if I say to Greg, oh, I'm meeting you at Tuesday at two. Well, text him to that. Yes. Like oh, anyone can look at that on his phone and it's no big deal. More yeah. of a factual right? text, a not factual. a friendship heart text. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that's something to keep in mind. Like, how is our correspondence that's the stuff that's not open, like that it is email or is phoning or whatever, how is that, would it be seen by somebody else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I even just think about the relationship I have with my neighbor, with her husband, right? Yeah. You know, like, 
definitely say hello. Like, do you mean there's a there's a friendship there? But there's not like I would do. I would never go into the yard like like. Do you mean while he's there by himself, or do you know what I mean? There's still some boundaries on what I where I would go as far as if he was there by himself. Yeah. Then I stay at my house. He stays at his house. Just because we're not going on walks together. We're not going on walks together. But even even those little things, right? Where you wanna be, you wanna have boundaries with the people that are even in your immediate community, right? That. That you're not certain people, like you're with your, not with the opposite sex of someone who's, even if they just drop by, you know, just say hello to them at the front door, you know, little things like that. So you got to know that this is really weird in our generation of the young adults. So I teach the pre-marriage class and they look at me like I am so weird and I have 10 heads because in their generation and younger, it's so normal to have lots of friends of both genders, Mm -hmm. go for coffee, have hobbies together, drive together. They don't think anything about it. So then when they start seriously dating, they still continue the same actions and they hug everyone and they go for coffee with everyone. They do all their, you know, hiking and hobbies with anyone. But it starts to create tension when they're seriously dating and they're like, okay, but are you important to me and am I important to you? And how do we now change some of the actions that we do? And they don't quite know what to do because they're so used to being with everybody and anybody not thinking about it. Absolutely. When I when I was a young adult, before I even met Andy, predominantly most of my friends were guys. That's just tomboy. Yeah. I don't just what, how I, yeah. who I interacted mostly. and most, And we had quite close friendships I had with these other guys but as my relationship with Andy became more and more serious those things those relationships just fell away and and my relationship with Andy became more dominant and you know when I see those guys I I'm still like we still have a there's a history there's a relationship there I'll have a wonderful conversation with them but that's as far as it goes as well because now those guys are also married right so then you want to make sure that you're not drawing on that relationship to to do you mean that to that it would maybe hurt their wife, right? Yeah. That they had, their husband has this close relationship with this other woman, yeah. right? Even that, I have to be careful then how that I go back and interact with people that I was close to even before I had met Andy. But things yeah. do, you kind of, as a, as a young woman, single, you do need to think about how you interact with, especially with men that are married, you yeah. know, because that's even different, how you approach them, how you talk to them. But and but you like you said there's a there's potentially a little more freedom in the way that you the relationships the friendships that you're able to develop with with people of the opposite sex. Well, and I'd add in even <clears throat> single women, let's say that are friends with guys, but they don't want to date that particular guy. I think you need to be careful as a, a young adult woman. How often are you with a particular guy? Because it sends a message that maybe you are romantically attracted to this person and you want to be an item. But if you don't, you're sending out the wrong message and the, the guys the you're guy really wanting your, are, yeah, yeah, the guys, are thinking, yeah. I should stay away because she's with that guy. Yeah. So we, I think we always have to have our radar on. We have to be wise and discerning as to what are we doing with our time? Who are we hanging out with? And but at the message? same time, you're, you're young and you're single, right. so maybe you should get to know him a little bit better. <laughs> true. Right? Yeah. So maybe you need to explore your options, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And I think it's what you said 
I think there is definitely these in this day and age, people have more options to text and to be Facebook and have those relationships go on uh, with other genders and and lots of different people. But I think this has been something that has been an issue forever. Like it's not a new issue just for this generation. Like if you look back to marriage vows from the beginning of time, it said, and forsaking all others, Mm -hmm. I will. Right. So that's been a decision. Every woman, every man has had to make when they get married. Yeah. And it was used part part of the traditional wedding vows that I will forsake all others. Yeah. And so we have to just realize that that's what being in a relationship is about. And if you yeah. don't want that, well, then. I remember the summer before Mark and I got engaged that I was working at a camp outside of Hope. And I went through two months where I really wrestled with that phrase, forsaking all others, because I really enjoyed hanging out with other guys and flirting with them and all that kind of totally. thing. And I had, you know, enjoyed dating and all those things. But now I'm like, OK, but if I say yes to Mark. That's Mark and no one else. No eyes, no flirting, no nothing. That was a little hard. I had to yep. think through that. Yeah. yeah. Do you have to process that? Yeah. yeah. So it's Absolutely. a legitimate thing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to another question. This one is about accountability. <clears throat> Excuse me. What kinds of things can accountability partners help each other with and what needs to be dealt with professionally is the question. But I thought we could also talk about what are the pros and cons of accountability and maybe mentoring and things like that. So I think generally um, there can be great things with accountability. I think all of us want to grow in kind of overall grace and knowledge of God's word and being how to be whole Christians. And so I think sometimes the problem with accountability groups is you can focus really narrowly on like one issue, like let's have an accountability group about pornography or about something. And it's a specific conquering a specific sin, which might be okay for a time, but you don't want to be doing that for your whole life. Like sooner or later, you got to get into the broad study of God's word or the broad, broader mm-hmm. church and serving in different ways. Because if you just focus on one thing continually in accountability, you're just going to go round and round and round the same yeah. thing. And accountability is only as good as the person is willing to share. Because yeah. it can look really holy. Woo, that I've, I'm in an accountability group. Like I'm you really could be good. totally snowing everybody. Totally. You can totally be not sharing and doing all kinds of secret sins that nobody knows about. But it looks like you're really good. So just because you're an accountability group doesn't mean anything. It's how effective is that accountability group? Mm-hmm. And I would often find them to be more accountable if they're a bigger group. Yeah. Because if you're just one-on-one with someone you know, that person's sick or away and then you don't meet and then it doesn't, it's not very effective. But if you have a bigger group of people that you're accountable to, it has more traction. Whether that's for physical fitness or spiritual growth, doesn't matter. A bigger group helps. Absolutely. So that's why you push people towards things like (laughs) women's Bible study or precept or other things instead of saying, I'm going to give you a one-on-one mentor in a situation because we're saying at a group of eight or 10 women around your table at a women's Bible study, you're going to hear lots of different opinions, have lots of different people speaking into your life, um, just have a variety of people. And you might connect really well one-on-one with somebody that you can ask deeper questions to, but it just gives you a bigger variety, a bigger picture. I know. And like you said, those larger groups are only as good as you're willing to share. Yeah. Right. The yeah. accountability part of Maybe it not. Yeah. is only as good as you're willing to share. So I frequently get calls, people asking me to set them up with a mentor. And I admire their willingness to grow spiritually because that's what they're asking for. And I, I want to work with that. But on the other hand, asking for a mentor is a really hard thing because I don't know the person. I don't know then who would suit them as a mentor. And that's a big label to put on someone else for them to be your mentor, be your everything and teach you everything. I'd really rather you were in a a small group of some sort where you could meet a variety of people. Mm -hmm. Remember Sterling a couple of years ago? She worked in women's ministry under Crystal. 
And she had said, you should have like secret mentors. Don't tell them that you want them to mentor you. Just ask them to teach you something. If you want them to teach you how to make bread or teach you to garden or teach you about how to work with a teenager in your life. And they're mentoring you, but they don't know it. <laughs> that was <laughs> it great. Was great because people hear this label, someone asking them to be a mentor. And they right away feel scared and inadequate. Yeah. And I don't have enough wisdom to give to that person. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you don't ask that big label on somebody, yeah. then and it's I easier. Love even to what you're saying about how she said, even how like, let's make bread or let's, but sometimes mentoring in like everyday life, cause you'll glean more than just making bread. Yeah. Out of that you'll scenario. talk about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> you'll talk about all sorts of things, especially if you're seeking them as a mentor, you can bring up whatever you want to talk about uh-huh. while you're making bread. Cause uh-huh. there's not a lot of conversation over that yeah. unless you bring it in. And so that way you'll be able to hear, you know, what they're, what's what you need, right. Or what you'd like to glean from them. Absolutely. And if you hear from a few people, you might not like everything that person A says. So you take what you can and then you go to person B and you like a few other things and then you get something from person C. Like that's so the point of being in a community of believers is Mm. that we get different things from different people. Yeah. The thing I liked about Sterling's approach too is that she was talking about her taking the initiative to approach other people, not expecting the church to kind of match her up with somebody. Yeah. She was just kind of going around life at church and seeing different people that intrigued Mm -hmm. her and then approaching them and saying, could you teach me about this? Mm -hmm. And I think the more that you get to know someone too, and the more that you respect them, you, the relationship would, is, comes by easier. Yeah. If you just see someone from a distance, I've tried that before, saw someone from a distance, thought that it would be maybe a good mentor relationship and it wasn't because it wasn't a good fit, right? And it <laughs> oh, was yeah. one time and then uh, we walked away and said, okay, that was not... And it's all like embarrassing yeah, when you meet each other again. That not, was not good. <laughs> yeah. It's like the first date gone wrong or something. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's keep going and let's talk about uh, Christian dating sites. Should a Christian use a dating site to find a spouse? How does that fit in with waiting on God? Yeah, so what always makes me kind of to smile about this question is that it kind of puts dating in a separate category than the rest of your life. Like we wouldn't say someone just wait on God for a job or just wait on God <laughs> to tell you which college you should go to, or just wait on God for all these things. We would say, well, go explore your options. What yeah. are your options and, and see what you're doing and expect that God's going to lead you as you are just searching out the different possibilities. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know why we put dating in a separate category. I kind of made a joke at the ask anything event. It's like, we think God can't work on the computer. Like that's above his technology level. Like he just <laughs> doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And so, but really all of our life, we should be living, pursuing God in whatever decisions we make mm-hmm. and exploring the options. Mm-hmm. So I don't see it as being something that's different. No. And we have staff members that have met their spouse on Christian dating sites. And we've met about a third of my pre-marriage class usually has met through an online dating site. Yeah. I, I have know. a best friend who's, who's the, that's her situation as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there are dangers in it in the sense that if you have seen someone at church for five years and seen them, you kind of know what they're about and you know what kind of friends they have. And there's a whole bunch of built in safety measures around knowing someone personally. So I think if you are doing an online thing, you might want to just really make sure that you see that person in a lot of situations with a lot of different people, get to know their family and all the other things before you... I don't know. Yeah, go with too much but further, but that's even with meeting someone entirely new. Yeah, right? you don't. If you don't know anything about their history, yeah, you don't know anything about their life personally. You do need to take time to to learn about them and see them in a bunch of different settings and make like sure that the saying. yeah the, the picture that they're giving of themselves is the real picture of yes, who they are, not just the picture yeah. that they craft for you when the two of you are on a date, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I know the older my kids get, the more I believe in arranged marriage. I'm like, I could find someone yeah. for you. I know their parents. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I know my kids. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next one. Uh, loneliness. How do you deal with loneliness, especially when you're single and live alone? Uh, so I think this question is a good one, but it, it kind of makes the assumption that single people are the only lonely people yeah. and that you're never lonely if you're married. Yes. And so I think we need to recognize that loneliness is an issue for people regardless. Mm-hmm. There are some single people who are like social and out there and involved in stuff and they're not lonely. They're happy to have some time to themselves. And there's some married people who just aren't connecting with their spouse or just don't have a lot of friends, even as a couple, and yep. they're really battling loneliness. Yeah. So this isn't a single married issue. No, and it's, it's not an age issue. No. It's not younger or lonelier than older people or vice versa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It can be a personality issue. I yes. think there's some people who are naturally just need to initiate towards other people more. It just seems to be, like that seems to be my go to if I want to be with people I normally have to pick up a phone or text somebody and say do you yeah. want to go and do something I don't have a lot of people initiating back towards me so it might be some people have different s- situations that way in terms of how they interact with people yeah a little bit of an introverted extroverted kind of idea yeah because mm-hmm. some people who are busy all day single need to come home and relax on their own and recharge that way and that doesn't mean they're lonely yeah and then we have married people who have great marriages as well that are sometimes lonely because their husband or their or their wife is away on business or working a lot or maybe it's a particular season like tax season. I don't see Mark, so it yeah. can get kind of lonely. But then I have to fill it with other things, with other friends and other activities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we talked about this at the Ask Anything event, I encouraged women to have a couple of things in the week that they know that are regular things. So they even if they have those moments where they can't get a hold of anyone when they're sitting by themselves alone, they know that, well, but on Thursday, I'm going to this thing. And on every Saturday, I go to this workout class. And on having a few yep. touch points in your week where you know you're going to be in contact with people and then fill in the rest with other things. But I think if we get into a routine of having those pieces, we don't feel as lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're, interesting. Yeah. We're just over the half hour mark. And I want to end with one question that, that will take us through the summer a little bit. Okay. So Crystal, some people are asking about a daily Bible study method. And this is a great time of year to ask it because a lot of our ministries have shut down. And so people are wondering what to do over the summer. Can you give us some ideas? Sure. And we would be happy when we were at our uh, retreat that we just had in um, April, we had kind of a four page thing at the end of our booklet that just gave ideas for Bible study and prayer methods. So if anybody wants to email us that, and ask for that. We can send that out. It was just different ideas for it. What's your email address? Uh, women at northview.org okay. or bonus at northview.org, which is our podcast one. Um, but uh, basically what I've been doing in the last little while is reading through one of the small um, New Testament letters every day, every morning if I can, or as many times a week as I can. And then just noting observations about it. Um, who are the people in this letter that Paul's writing to or that Peter's writing to? What do we learn about them? What do we learn about God? What do we learn about Jesus? What are the issues that they're bringing up? Like what what's he what are the commands that he's giving them? And then what is what is he teaching them about who they are in Christ? And you go through like a month of just reading the same book and asking those questions over and over again, who are the people? What are the commands? What's he teaching them about God? You get a real sense of what this letter's about and who the people are and you get familiarized with it where, to the point where you almost have memorized it because yeah. you've read it over and over again. Are you reading the whole book every day? Or are you reading like a chapter a day? What are you doing? I am right now because I'm just in three chapter books. Like First okay. Thessalonians just takes me 10 minutes to read every day. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just three, three chapters. And then what I try to do each time is say, okay, out of what I've read today, what can I praise God for? What do I need to confess to God about? And what can I ask God for? So okay. I use that... that um, 
adoration, confession, supplication, kind of each day to think, okay, now I've read some scripture. What, what's praiseworthy about it? And what, what do I need to confess? What, what is it, how is it poking me or convicting yeah. me? And then what is it teaching me that I can ask God for? Because scripture teaches us yeah. what kind of things God wants us to ask for. And so if we ask in line with his will, um, that's practical. So I would say my only thing um, to say not to do is don't just read one verse yeah. or a devotional that just has one verse. Yeah. Because then you can totally take things out of context and go off all kinds of weird ways. I'd say read whatever length of scripture you want to do, like, but at least maybe a paragraph yeah. and then just walk through adoration, confession, supplication, yeah. or read one Psalm a day and then walk through that. Okay. What can I praise God for? Mm-hmm. What do I need to confess? What do I need to, what can I thank for? And just let it sit and soak. Yeah. You know, it's very simple and easy. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say simple and easy reflection, piece of reflection yeah. and, and response. Yeah. What but you your want? response is based on what the scripture is teaching you, not mm-hmm. just on whatever you're thinking or feeling that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you want to add, Nancy? Um, nothing really. I think that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm not necessarily reading the whole of the chapter, but I'm uh, the whole of the book. I'm just reading a chapter or a section from heading to heading. And then once I've read through through it, doing sort of the same thing that you're talking about there, just praying what's, what's impacting me in that, in that portion of scripture, what's Mm -hmm. God calling me out to and, and what, what do I see about his character in there? Yeah. Yeah. Some people find She Reads Truth, yeah, I was gonna say, which that's is an a good app, app. Yeah. really good. It's, uh, there's also He Reads Truth. It's an app, and you can choose a plan. Some of them are free, and some of them cost about like 250 or something like that. And then in the plan, you read a big chunk of scripture, and you tap to say that you've read it, and then you swipe it, and you get a devotional. And that's an effective way. If you're a real techie person and you know that you're on your phone a lot or you're beside your phone a lot, that's a great way. Yeah, then you yeah. have it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're yeah. If you have a moment, it was interesting. I was reading Natasha Crane's blog, and she was talking about um, how when she first started getting into apologetics and how she read as much as she read. And she said, you'd be amazed how much you can read when you just buy, when you stand in line and wait. She says, we stand in line <laughs> and wait a lot. She said when she was at the grocery store, she would read and she would do everything on her Kindle or on her phone or whatever. So she read everything. And then that's where she did, you know, some of her, I mean, maybe not her devotions, but she did her reading. But if you have your, she, uh, reads was, truth. Yeah, she, she reads, reads truth. truth. You could read that while you're, Standing in line, right? Well, waiting for kids. Yeah. I remember always having a book yes, with me when was I was waiting for kids because yeah. yeah. you don't know how long it'll take. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's been over our time. Why don't we uh, close in prayer? Sure. Uh, Nancy, can I put you on the spot and can you pray for our listeners? Absolutely. Lord, thank you so much for this time here. God, I just pray for the women who are listening. God, I pray that uh, what we shared here today, that they would take it, that they would test it against your word, and that they, um, would take it and apply it to their lives. God, I pray for your blessing upon them um, this day, this week, God, that you would um, be working in their hearts, that you would be challenging and encouraging and equipping them for whatever lays in their um, in their day, whatever lays, whatever challenges, whatever joys there are. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us. Amen.